Hello, and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we discuss an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see if you should check it out for yourself. I'm one of your hosts, Corey, and with me I've got Liam. In the words of uh, some dudes whose name I didn't get, to hell with your last wishes. I will not honor them. (laughs) And Mitch. How's it going? It's really nice to be here. <laughs> yeah, that, was a very, that was that was a very like talk show vibe for you to have. I was just going for juxtaposition. I'm here introducing my new film, yeah. James Mason Pissblood. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Whoa, that is disgusting, Corey. That's a behind the scenes bit, but it's before we get into those, we have another person to introduce, ladies and gentlemen. He's our friend first and foremost. He's a big film guy. He's a local artist. He's a musician. He's a great achiever. You can check out his music, Go Long, which we'll get into later. But first, it's just our friend. We're here to say hello, Cameron. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Corey. Yeah, I am having you only. And then the other guys can just sort of fuck off and we're just going to talk for a while. And at the end, we'll sort of loop him back in. Who are yeah, these Corey, why nobodies? are you making us do this? Yeah. <laughs> so I guess just first, firstly, who are you? really what do the people need to know uh damn that's a big question nothing but serious questions on they made another one she's a she's a demon that has to exact revenge and it's it's been like brought on from a a birthright yeah i'm using this to get revenge on mitch for never watching any of my movie suggestions because they (laughs) came out after his grandma was born (laughs) we relate in that way yeah we really do Nice, dude. That's sick. And so cheap cut. <laughs> was it wrong? <laughs> You're the most militant dude about like everybody needs to go watch fucking bucklers, but then we ask you to watch anything. Mitch, have you watched Portrait of a Lady on Fire yet? I'm about like three clicks away from being. Then can I get call. my fucking Blu-ray <laughs> back or what? Corey, it's gonna happen. Imagine how Abby feels. God. Oh, dude, I can't. She wants to, and I'm like, so do I. But we've just been so busy. We were, we were away. We were having, you know, good times. And yeah, uh, you never have any time for watching movies. No, there's so many bucklers out there to watch. Once he gets through all the bucklers, then yeah, where's all the time? Yeah, there's yeah, there's not enough time in a day (laughs) to get all the bucklers out of the way. Um, another thing I want to ask Cam, just to give folks a sense, maybe anybody's listening who doesn't know the score. Uh, what kind of movies are you into? If, if somebody asks you, hey, man, give me a movie recommendation. What are you throwing at that person? What's the deal? Uh, Honestly, I don't know. I feel like it changes a lot. I'd say maybe my biggest wheelhouse is like American independent cinema. Nice. Uh, but that being said, I'm pretty into everything. Mitch and I always are watching Criterion stuff. That's That's what most of it is these days. Nice, dude. What's your second favorite movie? Second favorite movie. Yeah, I feel like this will be telling because everybody, you know, everybody's so quick to know what their favorite movie is. But second uh, favorite, I think a little bit. Probably Lady Snowblood. Only For behind uh, Lady Snowblood, <laughs> um, Love Song of Vengeance. Dude, what a great uh, segue! We gotta hire this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, no. Um. I, I couldn't tell you what my second favorite movie is. I'm sorry, Corey. No, that's fine. I've never put this question out. Mitch and Liam, what's your second favorite movie? Sing Street. That was quick. Mm, I don't, Got I don't it all planned have, out, man. I don't, I don't know if I have one. Sorry to disappoint. Do you have a third or a first? No. 
No, I don't really Seventh, pick. Fa- I don't really. Pick, I don't really pick favorites, or I try not to like number what I like. I just like something, right? It's not like this is my favorite. It's just like yeah. I genuinely think my second favorite movie might be Night Riders, which is just an excuse for me to talk about that again. What's your first favorite? That one's harder to pin down, but oh, if, if I so know that's it's, really you were just hiding behind it. You were like, if I ask what the second favorite movie is, no one. I don't will have ask to. I don't have to say what my favorite is. is. Well, because I feel like I have a big recency bias problem. You know, yeah. Where it's yeah. like if I see something and I'm like super fucking stoked about it, like I'll I'm more likely to say that. Sure. Like yeah. I'm on such a scream wave right now that like I could just say Let's scream go. and mean it. Let's go. But I don't know if that's true if I think to every movie I've ever seen. Yeah, well, I definitely feel that. Well, Corey, what if it was like does it help if 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 I just say like what is like the most important movie to you throughout your life? Cuz for me, like my my number one favorite movie, I say Scream. Do I like Scream more than every other movie on the planet? Probably not. The same way, like, Round Here by Counting Crows is my favorite song, but there's a 20-second bridge in that song that I don't actually like all that much, <laughs> right? So, so, but Scream is still my number one favorite because sometimes something just means so much to you. So is there a number one in that way? Oh, just defines you? This is a very probing introduction that we're having. I don't know. Anyone can answer this question, of course damn i don't know that's a really good question though. i just need one person to answer this question and <laughs> somebody, then we'll carry on. somebody must have an answer <laughs> i'm not gonna be the only know, scream man, guy tough. out here that is tough dude i feel the recency bias thing a lot more like i've recently torn through like most of jim jarmusch's movies and because of that i'd probably say he's like my favorite filmmaker but i don't know if i'd give you the same answer in a month so yeah yeah, well, and I've got I don't I don't revisit stuff with a ton of regularity, so I feel like there's a chance that I would forget something, or like if I gave an answer and then somebody said, "Okay, watch it right now," I'd be like, "Oh fuck!" I revisit almost too much. That's that's my problem. Yeah, I know. That's why you haven't watched Portrait of a Lady on Fire or Call Me by Your Name yet. You fucking coward. Yeah, I'm really bad. I'm really bad. Are either of those your favorite movie, Corey? perhaps that is a tell there was a window of time where uh it could it could maybe have been argued that i would have said call me by your name but that was there was some other shit going on that probably would have influenced that answer if you know what i mean um you were living in italy yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly um I regret posing this question and then not having an answer ready because it makes me yeah. look like a big doofus. So, sorry, Cam. We're not going to be able to talk about your favorite movie of all time tonight because the podcast has come to a halt. <laughs> it's so much easier for me to remember movies that I think are shit. Like, what's your What's your least favorite movie? <laughs> well, again, like least favorite is hard to say, but like I can think of viewing experience that I hated, like downsizing that Matt Damon movie. Yeah, that's that's, that's the first one thing that comes to my hated. mind for Dude, you. Dude, I remember that. Didn't you like tell me that you saw with your dad in <laughs> Petawawa on the, or something? Or, I don't know. Yeah. But you just like went to the bathroom a million times because oh. you couldn't stand being in the theater? No, that was a, a different movie. That was Vice. Uh, oh, that fucking, what the fuck? The oh, fucking... What's his you fucking didn't, name? You didn't like that? Yeah, I, Vice isn't bad, man. I hated watching that movie. Why did you hate it? Um, I think part of it genuinely was just watching those events play out on screen with the kind of like uh, 
the gleefulness yeah yeah uh, <laughs> just made me really uncomfortable and angry <laughs> that's yeah. like my genuine response whereas downsizing what happened with that cam you're close but like i did see it with my family again but um as it turned out as we all discovered at the end we all hated it but nobody voiced that to anybody else so none of us got up to leave but we were all having a terrible time <laughs> which is so funny nobody oh, was like do you want to like get out of here this fucking yeah. sucks have like, you we... ever walked out of a movie me yeah uh yeah my favorite walking out of a movie story maybe this is a better one a better question less less existential is one time we were watching uh the second or third twilight movie in theaters whichever <laughs> one no 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 whichever one came out around the time of the last airbender because what i did i was like 13 or something is i walked out of the twilight theater where my friends oh, were no. and then the last airbender was just starting so i just <laughs> went in there so i watched most of that twilight movie and then all of the last airbender in the same like the, oh, the live no. action one right like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was that's fucked up <laughs> dude i started a, that's funny i started a rewatch of like the tv show the last airbender with my roommate who hasn't seen it last night yeah and because that show is fucking amazing and like we put on the movie once as a joke and i couldn't get like 10 minutes in because it, it wasn't even funny bad bro it's not good it's not good <laughs> <laughs> and i watched the entire thing uh, which Fuck. I would not recommend. Ha- Does anybody else have walking out of movie stories? That's a much better question. I walked out of film class a few times, but that was just because I had other things to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was the Mitch? What was the Adam McGoyan movie we hated? Um, oh God, it was it was oh, one of his shit. later ones. I so know it sucked so bad. Adoration. I think so. Uh, let me just because we had like a religious experience. I love, Adam I love Adam McGoin, but you and I were just like looking at each other and just like scowling. We were having the worst time of our yeah. lives. Yeah, that is it. Man, I just looked up Adam McGoin on Google because I hadn't heard of him before, and I typed his name so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, everyone, with the A-T-O-M. That is badass. That's, you know, he was like, you know, born in, in post-war uh, times. That was his vibe. God, it was so brutal being, like, watching all these incredible movies that he did, like, fucking Exotica and The Sweet Hereafter and shit, and then just getting hit in the face with adoration sucks. Yeah, Exotica's fucking incredible. That's the only yeah. one I've seen, though. Also, yeah, Exotica rules. Uh, the Adjuster. Rules. That would be sick as fuck. <laughs> that yeah, I, awesome. I, re- I actually revisited it like I don't know, not too long ago, and it was it was still just as good as I remember. Yeah, even like I uh, will. Oh, actually, uh, Sleeper Hit uh, Calendar is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> I fucking love that movie. <laughs> well, I tell choice. I tell you what, this Adoration movie has roderick from diary of a wimpy kid in it so maybe i'll be checking it out <laughs> uh has anybody else walked out of shit oh fuck yeah dude what are we drinking but just after the roderick line i was like i gotta crack one over. came over <laughs> we're, not even, we're not even in the lady snowblood yet we're already talking about roderick i gotta get yeah, out roderick, my R- roderick rules i'm not drinking abs- <laughs> i'm drinking a course banquet <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you don't walk out of stuff. Yeah, no, you're right, Corey. I, I can't think of anything I've walked out of sincerely. The only uh, 
adjacent tale I have is that in 2008, I was watching the uh, Beyonce thriller film Obsessed which is sort of like a, a fatal attraction riff, you know, one of those movies. And it was actually my second time seeing it in the theater. And uh, wow, about 20 minutes in, um, I, I left to go to the skate park with a bunch of friends. So the first time I went, <laughs> I think I saw it with my mom. And then the second time I went, I was hanging out with a group of friends. We said, you want to go see a movie? I said, yeah, let's go watch this ridiculous Beyonce movie I saw. And uh, 20 minutes in, we were like, you want to go skateboard? And everyone was like, yeah. So we left. But I had seen it already. So I I was a hair away from from walking out of Black Christmas 2018 or 2019. What kept you? Yeah. Um, Because it wasn't having to do this show. (laughs) <laughs> no it wasn't i'm not sure i well, I wanted to just stick around and see where it went or if it would save itself but save it itself yeah if, if you're banking on the ending to save that movie if you're not already <laughs> in by that point yeah if you haven't bought it turn, you're, yeah. you're kind of doomed yeah speaking of doom how about and the, gloom. Uh, how about the doom of or the end of the meiji <laughs> restoration period in japan Lady yeah Snowblood. how about uh yeah murdering reactionary politicians that burn down entire slums of poor people uh just sort of because they can true that yeah that was pretty fucked this is gonna be the most radicalized episode of they made another one today <laughs> i think uh so what's everybody's familiarity with i'm gonna ask a two-tiered question just sort of out of curiosity so one lady snowblood in general because i think most of us have seen the first movie if not all of us and also just like this era of japanese film i would just be curious about that because like i don't know my i do not have a lot of familiarity with like the early 70s in japan at all so yeah most of what i've seen uh from japanese cinema kind of came before this yeah, before or uh, after. Or after, yeah. Um yeah, definitely before or after. I haven't really seen anything from the seventies, honestly, unless there was like some like Kurosawa one mixed in there or something that I didn't know was from the seventies. Right. I've seen I've seen like a quite a like a handful of the ones that came out of like well, I guess Nikatsu technically turned into like they weren't really making these kind of movies anymore in the seventies. Actually, it's kind of funny that they switched to make softcore pornography, but like the Nakatsu noirs and of some like of the... it was Roman themed, which is my favorite part. <laughs> yeah. But like the Nakatsu sort of like noirs of like, and also, you know, stuff by Seiji and Suzuki. And so sort of like similar kind of Japanese exploitation. I've seen like a handful of other ones, like with like late night showings at the Mayfair, but, um, like that's kind of that's kind of like my sort of touching off point. I know that like this movie was a big influence on like Kill Bill and other stuff, but yeah, um, I ha- I haven't seen a whole lot from like this this period. There's just like a a few things, and not too many that are like samurai movies from this period. Yeah, well, and you and Cam watched this recently, the first one, right? I'd seen uh, it like, Lady like I'm sure you I, had, yeah, yeah, several times before, but yeah, yeah. But what do you know? Mitch and I were hanging out in the basement, and he was like. Let's watch a movie, not taking any of your input. And it was on before <laughs> I knew it. Yeah, it's a very like um But it was well, good. Like they like they usually well, uh, you, give you had, that, but. Technically you actually did choose like the last like movie before that, or maybe 
too. So I mean, it was it was fair, but I mean, I do I feel like, like the movie. Myself. No, no, no. The movie watching experience <laughs> with you. The movie watching experience with you sometimes is one of two things. One, you walk into the room and the movie that you chose is already on, and so you're just stuck because you're using the TV, or, um, you just insist upon something long enough. <laughs> That, I don't know like, why I, I <laughs> Scaramooch was like, you gotta watch it, gotta watch it. Then I was at your house and you were like, okay, we're watching it. <laughs> like, oh, I, I don't know why I like tried to facilitate having Cameron on this show because this has just <laughs> turned into a fucking massacre. <laughs> <laughs> this is how people know movie. we're friends for real. <laughs> we is, haven't even this talked the movie yet. It's just been a crucifixion. Well, okay, fine. Mitch, we'll leave you alone for a bit. Liam, had you seen Lady Snowblood before? What was what was up with you? No, yeah, maybe you guys can crucify me instead. Um, I, I'd never even heard of Lady Snowblood. Um, when Mitch said we should do Lady Snowblood 2, I had, I had no idea what that meant. And I looked up Lady Snowblood and saw that it was a revenge film. And I thought that sounded cool because I like revenge movies. But Because I love I, revenge, the but, concept uh, of revenge. <laughs> Hopefully Mitch doesn't love revenge or we're all doomed. Um, yeah, it is a dish best served cold. <laughs> so so I, I was excited to see this uh, simply for that reason. But in terms of Japanese cinema, oh my gosh, I bet you if you gave me 30 seconds, I could probably list every Japanese movie I've seen. And I, I, I reckon all of them would have been from uh, film classes. You know, like I've seen Rashomon and I've seen In the Realm of the Senses. And unless I'm missing anything, I think that's all of them. So uh, uh, cer- cer- certainly all of them from like pre 21st century. Like I've I've probably seen some modern Japanese horror movies, but um, you got any Godzilla in there? No Godzilla. Damn. No no American Godzilla either. Mothra? So that's not just uh, no Mothra. Rashomon's one of my favorites, but uh, I'm not sure if I can really remember what happened correctly. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Very nice. I, I, I loved Rashomon Thanks, as well. <laughs> if you were being serious about that, because I know we have some Rashomon haters on this podcast. It's not but... haters. The first time we saw it, I think we just thought it was... Uh, what's the word for when people had... hype something up too much? Overrated? Was... Overrated, overrated, yeah. I thought it was overrated. It's a... I'm willing to own that. The first what? time I saw it, which was in a film class, I was just like... And I knew it's like, oh, you're doing something and it's revolutionary, blah, blah. But like... <laughs> I don't know. I was like, "Wow, was... look at me! I'm one of the greatest movies of all time." <laughs> meh, meh, meh. So, what do you think about it now? Uh, I not. I'd have to watch it again. Yeah, it's still the only one time. Yeah, it's probably uh, it's probably my favorite Kurosawa, dude. The way you said uh, the first I time I watched it, it sounded like you had revisited it. The first and it. only time I watched. I don't. I don't <laughs> know how it would dethrone High and Low for me though. High and Low fucks. High and Low is hard to beat. I fucking love that movie. Haven't haven't seen that one. I can I can lend you my uh, Blu-ray if you promise to actually watch it, Mitchell. <laughs> Man, well, based on Man. the way you guys are hyping this up, I think it might actually suck. Wow, no, that movie's <laughs> sick as hell. Okay, so. That's where we're at. That sets that sets up the score here with Lady Snowblood, Love Song of Vengeance, which is potentially the best title for a movie we've done on this show. I, I was thinking that it might be it might be the best. Next if, to Bud Chu. Well, you can't even Bud get it right. Cut. There you go. Um, I don't know. Ghoulies three ghoulies go to college was pretty good. Yeah, Lady Snowblood Hollow scene would have been all right. <laughs> 
I'm trying to, I'm looking through, uh, Children of the Corn, Five Fields of Terror is a pretty good title. Uh, I, I, but I forgot that even had a subtitle, so I think... I didn't, I never have. We've got to, we've got to rank all the I think, subtitled I think that subtitle done. is doing a lot of work there, like, like, otherwise it's... <laughs> it's Twin uh... Peaks, Firewalk With Me, good title. You can always, you can take one of the, uh, the, the old subtitle first main title oh yeah i was movies. gonna say yeah hello mary lou prom night 2 iconic title i mean the rage lady snowblood 2 that'd be pretty good that would be pretty good also um <laughs> uh cube 2 hypercube yeah if you just put a, a squared at the end of lady snowblood <laughs> that'd be nice lady squared blood I'm Book personally still holding out for baby snowblood <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> They're actually making a kids version called Lady No Blood. <laughs> For fuck's sake! <laughs> I hate this show. Uh, yeah, I've never walked out of a movie, but I'm walking out of this podcast. I can't wait for Lady Snowblood in Viva Rock Vegas. <laughs> let's let's not make the same mistake Corey's family made at downsizing. Can we all just decide to call it? <laughs> call all this right, one off. Cam, thanks for coming. It's been a real real thrill. Uh, go listen to his music i guess and we're done okay <laughs> last minute actually last joke a lady snowblood seventh inning fetch okay um <laughs> that was good that was good Thanks. that was a deep cut and it was good yeah you know you gotta go back to the the ogs um quick cast and crew rundown for everybody here directed by uh also real quick sorry if i butcher any of these it's directed by Toshiya Fujita, who also did the first Lady Snowblood, um, in a movie called Girls Pleasure Manhunting, which I just thought everybody should know. Wait, Holy so shit, are, that is, good. is one of those a subtitle? <laughs> yeah, Manhunting is the subtitle, which really could be Lady Snowblood Manhunting. It's basically the first movie. I, I would be more interested in, in Girls Pleasure, Lady Snowblood, personally. <laughs> um. Also, he directed a movie called Play It Boogie Woogie, which makes me laugh really hard. Jesus. <laughs> Is Boogie Woogie the subtitle on that one? <laughs> no, there's a comma. <laughs> and then a squared at the end. <laughs> um, so there's a, a split in the writing credits uh, because the first two, uh, Kazuo Kamimura and Kazuo Koike, uh, wrote Lady Snowblood the manga. And that's why they have a story by credit um, here, even though it's not directly based on that. Uh, they also worked on something called The Princess Blade, which just sounds pretty sick. Um, writing credits for the movie itself, this sequel, go to a Kiyohide Ohara, um, who did some work on Ultraman a little bit here and there. And uh, Norio Osada, who um, did a movie with a sick-ass title, uh, Number 10 Blues Goodbye Saigon. It's the whole title. Also, something called F2 Grand Prix. I couldn't figure out what it was, but I was really interested in trying to figure it out, and I just couldn't. I don't know what it's about. Uh, IMDb had, like, no information, but I'm an easy mark for that sort of thing. So, The cinematography is by Tatsuo Suzuki, um, who was doing work up until 2019, which feels crazy. That feels like a really long time for somebody to be working. Um. Also, he shot a movie called The Man Who Stole the Sun. Another that's, good title. That's a, that's a great title. Yeah, the problem with this is there's not a ton of stuff that like I can point out that stuff that we could potentially do on the show, which I sometimes do. So I've just decided to put in stuff with cool names. Well, is, is um, Girls Pleasure Manhunting a sequel? It probably is. Well, hey. 
The movie was edited by uh, Osamu Inoue, who also edited the first movie, um, and uh, something called Female Delinquent, a docudrama, which was also uh, worked on by, uh, by Toshia Fujita. And then the music is by uh, Kenjiro Hirose, who uh, had three, I think the three best titles here go to, go to this. Um, Doberman Cop. Wow. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, a Savage Beast Goes Mad. Is that a title or is, is that the description to Doberman Cop? That's a title. Cop? That's a separate film. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded like a synopsis. And also uh, related to the Godzilla chat that we had, uh, Gamera versus Virus. So there you go. Um, Jeez. Yeah, man. I'm looking at the Lady Snowblood director's filmography. It's and he long. is like so prolific with almost exclusively fucked titles. <laughs> like, like what? What's a good example? I don't know. Like, okay. So I'm wondering if this is a trilogy that all came out within three years okay wait oh my god there, okay so i guess this would be like the prequel there's one in 71 called wet sand in august then after that scent of eros in august and then seduction of eros i think some of those are the porn sweet ones that Mitch smell was of eros yeah i think that's some of the roman themed porn ones jesus it might be i mean because yeah like if he was working for nikatsu this one wasn't for nikatsu yeah. but if he did, I mean, that was like one of Japan's like biggest studios, and then in the seventies they yeah, were struggling. I think he was because so I, I read a I read a piece point. in Film Comment that had mentioned that. So I think because mm. he wasn't Nakatsu, and um, the lead actress also was too. That's why they knew each other. She left when they got into the whole porn thing. Uh, right, Damn. she went to Toei. Uh, that person being uh, Mako Kaji, who plays uh, Lady Snowblood. She's also still going. Which is crazy. That's really cool to me. Um, Good for her. Yeah. Uh, Juzo Itami uh, is also in the movie. He wrote Tampopo, which I haven't seen, but it's okay. on Criterion Channel. So Tampopo, fu- it fucking rules. That's a great movie. He is the the radical politics man. Kazuko Yoshiyuki uh, was in Ponyo in a movie called Cyborg She, which is just sick as hell. Good title again. Uh, Yoshio Harada, who plays the doctor dude, uh, was in a movie called It's Easier Than Kissing 2, Drifting. (laughs) 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 Which might actually be the best title that we're going to get to today. Um, And also, uh, Zatoichi, The Last. We could definitely do a Zatoichi movie because there's like a hundred of those. Um, Shin Kishida. Uh, Kishida, I should say, uh, was in Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, uh, Zatoichi meets Yojimbo, and a movie called Lake of Dracula. Lake of Dracula sounds fucking sick. Sounds sick as that. fuck. We should honestly try yeah. to find that. Yeah, I want to take a weekend trip to Dracula's the Lake of Dracula. Lake house. <laughs> Drac's got great decor, great amenities, but you have like a one in six chance of making it out is the big problem. <laughs> uh, and then Toru Abe, uh, is rounding out the cast list that I've got. He was in Tokyo Story, um, oh, a movie called movie. Lone Wolf and Cub, Baby Cart to Hades, which is pretty good, too. <laughs> and uh, Zatoichi and the One-Armed Swordsman. So, again, top-to-bottom killer titles. And the plot of this movie follows uh, pretty much directly from 
the OG, wherein she has taken revenge for um, her mother's like abuse and rape and killed all those bad dudes. But now she's like a fugitive on the run from the police and the government. She is contracted by them. They save her life and this secret police chief and like the justice minister are like, okay, here's the deal. There's one uh, like radical anarchist uh, political figure left out in the slums. He has a document that we need because we later learned they uh, got like fake testimony out of torturing a guy and then killed him. And this uh, that's how they got their status. And this would document would blow everything wide open. They're like, we need that document. And then we need you to kill that guy. Uh, but she ends up being sympathetic to the cause in the end and sort of going against the, uh, the, the government's wishes, which to be fair, she didn't really want to coincide with in the first place. She did not have much of a choice. Um, yeah. I feel like they should have had, better risk assessment not expecting lady snowblood to identify with the anarchists yeah it was a big risk assuming that she would just roll with it kind of a stupid swing when you ask somebody who like thinks that they're like a vengeance seeking demon to like you know like yeah your team like and and like you know and then fight the the downtrodden yeah and then the movie kind of gets uh into this also family story as well we discover that this like helpful stranger that she meets at the beginning is a doctor in a slum and related to the anarchist and his wife. And it used to be the doctor's wife and their brothers. And then they die and the secret police inject the man with the plague and they burn down a slum and shit gets real fucked up real fast. Um, and perhaps the most important detail is that the anarchist uh, political figure does have a framed photo of Karl Marx <laughs> in his house. I didn't notice that. Yeah. At least it looked enough like Karl Marx that I wrote it down and laughed. Like, maybe it wasn't, but I'd be very surprised. Uh, yeah, I feel like it is. It, it, I feel like it would have to be, but, um, you know, what do I know? Um, and that's kind of it. Uh, it's a very politically-minded film. Some Some quotes that I had just pulled from my notes to sort of set this up include, Poor young workers are like garbage in our society's eyes. Uh, there was no end to their poverty and humiliation in the slums. Um, they were being left behind by changing times in the prosperity of victory. So what if a single anarchist is tortured to death? Um, also, not considering poor people to be human is a bit of a running yeah. theme. So much to kind of unpack. I mean, it's familiar territory for this director, given a... Uh girls pleasure manhunting right yeah a very (laughs) radical work um as we all sort of know i actually you know i gotta look up what that movie's about (laughs) girls pleasure manhunting really hope this google search pans out well oh fuck apparently it is apparently it is a porn it's on it's officially streaming on nikatsu roman porno.com or (laughs) nikatsu.com is that a real website Hey, I'm just looking in the IMDb in the details. <laughs> you said that like it's like official a, is that, site. Is that a streaming service you could like pay for? You never know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if there's like some old farts out there who are just like I need a like a a wealth of old 35 millimeter Japanese pawns, <laughs> and you I you need them know. stat. It could be a thing. I just clicked the link. Let's okay. see what's going on. <laughs> I don't know if this is gonna stay in, but we gotta find out for ourselves. Holy fuck, it's, I'm horny. It's all <laughs> screen share. Man. Screen share. 
are all the ads truly brutal no it's just all in japanese and but there's like a lot of nudity on the well there's like suggested nudity on the on the poster i think you're yeah um i'm on the site though i'm gonna go to the home page and see what it's like it only took uh, like two clicks for me to oh, get away yep. from pornography and into got... just like romance movies sorry what happened no they got like on demand no it's called nakatsu-romanporno.com i don't know is it free uh i don't think so i think there's mm-hmm. well, let me just do they look. have an app <laughs> is this a channel it's, on it's... amazon prime it's literally all in Japanese right now, and I won't let me figure it out. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is there's no demand section. None of it's free, but it's all pretty raunchy looking. Dang, it sounds like you were right, that's, Mitch. That's, damn, there is an audience out there. Holy yeah. shit! I'm on like a list of websites or of uh, of these Nikatsu movies. <laughs> Absolutely loving number sixteen on the list. Overly ripe breasts, married women. Oh my! <laughs> Overly ripe. <laughs> um. So just to get away from that, because we, I think we could be there all night if we're not careful. Um. I will be. I'm gonna be there all night. Brother. Yeah, I bet you will. <laughs> Um, I'll get back on track here by just sort of, you know, posing the question I always do to the, uh, to the panel here that we've got this meeting of the minds, if you will, um, (laughs) I've assembled you all here today (laughs) to talk about girls pleasure, man hunting, (laughs) apparently, and Doberman (laughs) cop, um, and it's easier than kissing two colon drifting oh my gosh quentin tarantino (laughs) has definitely had meetings like that on his sets so fellas whoever feels you know the moment possessed them go first but like what do we think about this generally speaking because i was telling cam before we started this wasn't necessarily what i thought we were getting when we decided to watch this even after seeing the first one i was a little bit surprised so interesting what do we got can I ask what you were like expecting to see? Um, not visually, but the focus of the movie was not what I thought it was going to be, and it's much more ah. it's much more blatantly political in that it's like mm-hmm. dealing with in- intricate political machinations. Of course, um, a takedown of Meiji era politics, which I do not claim to know anything about, and therefore will not speak to. I did a very little bit of reading, uh, but I've also read that the movie was simultaneously sort of taking aim at. 70s era japan i don't know necessarily what the parallels there were i can only speak well, to what I, was in the movie, i believe but... it there was a populist push in 1970s japan to kind of like push towards i guess traditional values and you see that with like um like uh there was like a there was some like high profile sort of attacks against like um in, like imperial sort of influences and the, and the yakuza and you have um like Mishima and like all these these things sort of going on in the in the 70s that were kind of a, a push to uh, traditional values. So I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, but this is just me pulling things out of my ass. That's the problem is we're not academics and we're not political scholars, but we did watch the movie. By um, push to traditionalism in Japan, do you mean like a like embracing like like a imperialism again? Not necessarily imperialism, but just sort of the idea of, of like the emperor at like the at like yeah, because that's the focus of, of Mishima, right? Is that they want to yeah. like have an emperor again? 
Yeah. Yeah. He was like, we're going to overthrow the government. <laughs> and and set everything straight and then that didn't exactly work out and he certainly didn't set anything straight if you know what i mean there was also a very famous incident where like a japanese softcore porn actor like got in an airplane dressed as a kamikaze and like kamikaze to yakuza boss's house what jesus (laughs) look it up holy shit wow yeah yeah okay now that's epic Whoa, this is totally epic. <laughs> Not clickbait. Fuck. Now I'm going to be on the run from the Yakuza. <laughs> In Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but yeah, so uh, what did we think about Lady Snowflood Love Song Adventures? I liked it. I thought it was a bit long and I thought it kind of like was, it had problems in the midsection and the finale was sort of underwhelming but i liked the way it looked i had fun with it probably not as much fun as i did with the first one but it's I got it less of like the absolutely batshit yeah <laughs> style I think it has less, and fighting it has less direction too uh and it, which is a shame because I, I think it starts off really really strong with like that opening tracking shot and the gorgeous cinematography on that sort of uh really blue midnight blue beach and how the color palette is, how they juxtapose it with a campfire in the distance. And it, it, the movie looks great, um, but I think it, it just loses steam in the midsection and it gets yeah. it gets bogged down in the, in the case of who's who. I'd argue it's almost... I'd, I'd argue that it's like a very focused movie in terms that it like really ends up rolling with the whole political thing. Like, well, I, does... I agree that it's... I agree that it's like beautifully shot the colors are pretty fantastic but yeah for me i didn't really think it started losing too much steam until the end um yeah well i think i think like when i say like it it loses its focus i mean like the 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 politic the politics angle generally isn't nearly as singular as just like you know revenge and someone getting their just desserts and sort of yeah i i think i i liked the like i kind of liked the political angle but i think where it um worked against the movie is that i loved lady snowblood like the original one because it's such fun violence um i find when it's got this edge to it it's like weirdly unexpectedly walking into this movie i'm like the violence isn't as fun when it's, it's like burning down violence. slums of poor people and stuff like that. Yeah, it's like, which isn't really what I expected because like there's definitely still a lot of like badass, like fun shit where she's just like cutting people down and it's sick. And maybe I mean, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I definitely don't think it was as as much fun, which is like kind of what you want from it's less, a it's movie also just, like this. It's less of an exploitation movie than the first one is because it's got that is more interested in what it's doing and with a lot of characters that aren't Lady Snowblood for one, which is a bit disappointing, but also um, making its statement rather yeah. than um, that sing- more singular focus. I think it's very focused on that in particular. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I do think it's uh, it feels uh, prescient uh to current times in some ways which i could maybe wish it were not yeah, yeah. Um, still it still is an exploitation film with how it like gets like the point it's, it's points across that like burning down a, a slum of poor people is like inherently and also him right? arguing but, to the other like secret police guy that it's like you don't even think these people are human either because i yeah. certainly don't 
Uh, Liam, what about you? I feel like Liam's a bit of a wild card here. I don't know. I don't know where he's going to come down on this. Well, I'm I'm coming down in a place that's surprising me uh, because I am totally in line with Mitch. I I thought, and it sounds like Cam too. Um, I thought that I would be a bit less into this and that I would be uh, the odd one out just liking this movie. Um, but but that's how I feel. I I would have loved to have seen this in film class, particularly our first year film class where there's like hundreds of kids Holy in the auditorium shit. and it's on a big, you know, a, a giant projector um, because this movie really is so amazing to look at like it's it's so lush there's so many amazing uh colors in it there's a lot of bluish gray tones that feel very bleak um but also you know very very deliberate and unique um and the music as well uh like totally totally stands out a lot of times in very intense scenes the music is like really beautiful sounding um and and uh um sort of contrasts what's going on on the screen um some of the music in here reminded me of of the warriors from the 70s there's like oh, a, right there's on. like a whirring sound to it um and i i really love that sort of 70s vibe and so it was cool to see it in in a japanese movie and um I, I had a lot of fun with some of the violence in the movie, but like you guys, even though I haven't seen the first one and don't know anything about it, just from reading that the first one is a revenge film, and that's all I did. I had just read like literally the first line on Wikipedia where it says Lady Snowblood is a is a, a about someone taking revenge. Um, I was expecting a lot more violence and. Uh, especially reading that the first movie inspired Kill Bill as well. I thought that there would be a whole lot more violence in this. Um, And there's some really, really cool violent sequences where it's either the action movie thing of taking out, you know, multiple people in succession, or uh, there's a a particular instance of some gnarly gore where uh, the dude's bruised cheek gets stabbed and the knife goes into his cheek to get him to talk. That is like horror movie stuff that was amazing and so and when um, the anarchist's wife stabs the the cop dude that was sick as fuck yeah yeah yeah. and then and then that same dude he gets shot a little bit later and like the actor is totally vamping and it's amazing he gets shot and he's leaning against a wall and he's like and he gets back uh, up a little bit and then falls further down it's awesome yeah so uh i i liked the movie the entire way through um and i really loved particular moments of it but it it didn't hit me in the way that i would see this and 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 think that it's a classic instead it's like so many modern movies i watch where i see it and i wouldn't walk out of the theater i'd be like yeah that was that was a really good movie but um I'm not sure how long it would stick with me. And so hearing what you guys have had to say about the first movie, I'm definitely interested in that one, especially considering it's uh, a little bit different than this one. Yeah. I mean, I've, I have seen the original maybe like three or four times, but with that said, like, I don't like love it. I really like it. And I like, I think it's a fun movie to watch and that it's like, I get enthralled with like the, the style of it, but it's not like I love this movie or it, it doesn't, it doesn't mean a lot to me, but it's just like a, a fun romp. It's not your second favorite um, movie. No, no, it certainly <laughs> isn't. Um, but I love seventies revenge movies and stuff, so I'm like, I'm like firmly at home with this kind of with this 
content and subject matter like rolling rolling thunder or sort of last house on the left all, all these all these um hey great yeah <laughs> all these movies that kind of deal with revenge um and i think the lady snowblood is like right there at least the original one this one um uh, this one i can take it or leave it but there's a lot to like and there's there's so many sequences in this movie that are almost just like there strictly for the sake of style or just for like flash like yeah the part the part where like the the two guys are running with the rickshaw and like oh it's awesome she, she's in one and the amicus oh. isn't in the other and they get apprehended i love the way that the fight scenes are blocked especially when like they're being confronted by like the the like the law or like the army or whoever they are the guys in the uniform like secret police or whatever yeah maybe the regular police whatever whatever they're called um <laughs> the, the the way that they're like blocked like on the original fight scene where they apprehend her on the beach and they're all like circling Dude. her and just like the way that they the that one they on the people beach. and position them in the frame it's it's stunning right it's and, so good um yeah like i have a note that <laughs> that just says that's a lot of dudes on this beach that is a lot of dudes <laughs> But, like, just in any fight scene that revolves around somebody getting swarmed by a larger group of people and then sort of negotiating their way through that is always fun. But even just, like, the style of giving up in that out of necessity and, like, throwing the sword up into the air and it coming back down and, like, landing on oh, the beach. Oh, yeah. Just, and then the so title card cool. hits as you the see the sword sticking out. So good. Yeah, this that's one of the... That's got to be up there for, like, top 50 title cards, I think. Yeah. The style is not lacking in terms of when it's well executed. I think the biggest issue is just that, like, the movie feels more interested in the political intrigue of it all rather than that part. And I was hoping for a bit more of that. It feels like Lady Snowblood herself very much is sidelined as well. Yeah, uh, that's which is that's a bit of a buzzkill. I wanted, like, I was hoping that it was going to be more. So definitely, like, an exploration of Lady Snowblood as a character. Like, I feel like what I was hoping for was, because I mean, in the first movie, it's like the whole thing is that she's born with like the solitary purpose of exacting revenge for her mother. Yeah. And she ends up getting that revenge. And I was kind of hoping that it was going to be like an exploration of like her like sense of NUI about like, well, where do I go from here? Like I've literally fulfilled my life's purpose now. And I feel like um I feel like that does maybe come across a little bit like when she originally goes um like when she gives up in that fight on the beach and when she's speaking with uh the like secret police dude who kind of originally sends her on the mission to go like to go uh surveil the anarchist i definitely got the sense that she's like bored and doesn't feel a ton of purpose yeah. anymore like when she kills all those guys in the in the tracking shot it's, it seems like she's yeah yeah bored. and she like yeah i don't know and she just kind of like ends up giving up on the beach i guess she doesn't have much of a choice but like thought that was a cool balance between yeah like she she literally has nowhere to go because she's just on the run from the law now but like i think i would have liked to see a bit more of that like personal exploration side of it like what the hell am i supposed to do now that i was born to like kill four people and now they're dead <laughs> and like <laughs> i don't know what else to do yeah yeah no i get that i do like though that um the movie 
decides to be very uh outwardly politically focused and commits as hard as it does to that i respect that oh i i totally respect this movie is very blatantly about um you know the the overreach of people who use sort of uh claims of stability and control and order as leverage to just be authoritarian pieces of shit Nothing um, we haven't seen, like with that that whole thing. No, but I feel like done well. These those fucking uh, the authorities are terrifying in this yeah, movie, and that dude looks ass. like a fucking vampire. <laughs> the secret mm-hmm. police chief looks like a fucking vampire, and so um, true. like they are obviously like a heightened example because they're like you know torturing people nearly to death and throwing chucking bodies into slums and burning them down and injecting people with the plague like the police are doing that but like it's getting into an interesting dichotomy with the whole like you know sometimes murder is justified you just wouldn't get it directed at people who are leveraging their power that way and i i do like that um i'm on the wavelength of the movie ideologically in that way like i get what it's putting down for sure but I just wasn't anticipating that being the singular focus of it, and that's a bit of a s- yeah. surprise. It almost feels as if like why movie... is Lady Snowblood the vehicle for that? I think maybe like if the first movie mm-hmm. really banged, the studio was like, let's get a second one out. You know, that's my guess. Honestly, I I do think it's a little cool that like uh that they use this kind of like exploitation film aesthetic to explore that. Yeah, like, I just wish especially they didn't in feel the sense separate. of. Yeah, especially, I guess, in the sense of maybe just, like, even artistically speaking, like, being anti-censorship and shit like that, like, kind of kind of a cool avenue. But, yeah, I agree. Like, I, I respect it for committing so much to uh, this, like, political angle. But at the same time, I was just, like, the last thing I would have expected out of a Lady Snowblug sequel was it to be like yeah. super well, politically charged well the the original is politically charged about being an exploitation film but just more about like the oppression of women rather than i don't know if it's like if it's even political about that necessarily that's an I inherently mean, political topic though yeah like it's if, inherently it's your, political if, your, not... if your movie is this woman is forsaking a normal life because she was born to kill her mother's rapist it's about that and that's a political statement like it just is yes but i don't think it wears it on its like it, it doesn't i don't think it's nearly as um yeah like, the sequel d- direct uh, this movie's like, more upfront not... about it but i don't think you'd have to yeah. you wouldn't have to strain your brain to realize that that's something that lady snowblood one is getting at you know, like, yeah, yeah, I agree. But um, it it's not nearly as upfront about it. Like you said, like being like inherently political isn't necessarily being explicitly political, and sure. that's what this one does to a way bigger degree. Yeah, that's fair, and I I don't dispute that. Like the different the 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 difference in how it handles those things, but they're definitely present in both uh, circumstances. But yeah, um, I did definitely just want a bit more of the funky music and the slicing up dudes a little bit. I was hoping for a little bit more of that. The music to Liam's point does absolutely slap. <laughs> the, the sound design in general too. Like there are some gross mouth sounds in this movie. Uh, 
like at some points you can just like hear people's mouths opening and it sounds so gross and and even like water dripping into a puddle uh during a rain sequence like it sounded disgusting and it was just water hitting a puddle but like in a good way like it was just like so amplified and you can hear the sounds of bugs at night as they're walking outside and so it's like a totally totally immersive movie and if the first some one stabbing definitely has some like sporty kind of yeah bloody sounds. Yo, for sure and and in some cases it's matched visually by like a geyser of blood coming out of a shoulder right so if the first movie also uses those techniques and uh is more about the revenge aspect i i i'm definitely like so interested in that because um it sounds it sounds like maybe because these two movies came out so close together the director was like okay i already did the straightforward revenge movie now i'll tackle something else that's on my mind instead i, I of just think doing... it might have been the writers honestly right just yeah, based yeah, on yeah. what i read i think this is just like hey we got a script here all cooked up <laughs> and we're also trying to unionize like you know what i mean <laughs> sure yeah so so i'm surprised that the, the this movie was different than what i expected and it sounds like it's it's different than what that first movie is and i i respect that as well i think it's really cool like uh gremlins and gremlins 2 are two very different movies by the same writer director but very different intentions and uh most people just have a preference for one or the other and so it sounds like even though i haven't seen the first one my preference is more for uh, what the first one is, is doing um, because the, the the stuff that I liked in this movie, I reckon I can probably find in the first one, but it's still so, so nice to watch in this movie. So yeah. I, I think you know. you'd have a lot of fun with the first one, I think. I think it would also check some like horror boxes, but in like the, the wackadoo violence kind of way for you. Yeah, and, and that sounds like a lot of fun. I, I am curious as to how Lady Snowblood is represented as a character in that first movie, because in this one, um, she feels like very much like a specter, like a pretty emotionless machine driven being that actually isn't given that much time uh and so i i understand that if if the character is your main character you know like a, a terminator sort of thing but in this one uh because she doesn't really get that much character I, i'm even more let down that we see so little of her because what we do see there's not a whole lot to it and i think that sort of character would work better in the first movie is it the same thing in that first movie well, she has she has this kind of um, like almost like an arbiter's nature where she's she's very quiet and sort of like measuring everybody and, and casting a kind of a judgment. But I don't think there's very much like characterization. It's just like her her single sort of goal is to exact revenge um, for like the crimes against her mother. Yeah, and um, to the point where in forsaking like a normal life, it's like. There's an intention. There's an intentional hollowness to that, so you're mm -hmm. not necessarily going to see a character that's like more fleshed out or anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, but I think if you're going to stay with that character, I think uh, with that characterization, I think 
I would have liked it if this movie just had more for Lady Snowblood to do. You know, like throughout yeah, all the like, all the John Wick movies. It's so weird. I I agree. It's like, what do you do after you've done your the single thing you were supposed to do in life? Right. That that is a really interesting question. And they they I wanted don't... a montage of her trying out jobs. No, I don't. I don't, <laughs> I, don't mean, I don't mean that. But I mean, like, I just don't think that that this sort of um like political crusade that she gets ensnared into like it's not enough yeah no um, what what i would say about it is like in in the first film it's kind of like the way that lady snowblood is represented is that she's basically like almost something of like literally like a demon incarnate like she's just like she exists solely to exact the revenge to kill those mother. dudes yeah no like and that's it like so like yeah she's basically born as a baby and the people in the prison are like oh yeah like she's like born as i think they use a specific like japanese term that might come from some sort of folklore i'm not exactly sure what it is i do yeah i don't remember what but it's um called. but yeah she's like represented as like in that sense where like yeah she's basically a demon that's like here just to exact revenge and that's it and then in this new movie like or in the sequel rather like we've said um it doesn't necessarily explore enough as I think we would have liked the idea that she completed that mission and now has to move on. But I guess maybe you do see a little bit in the sense that, yeah, like she totally feels like a passenger in this movie. Like to me, it's just the studio being like, this was a very successful character. And then they just kind of build like a completely different story around her, but she's there, but it's, it's not necessarily like that much like a, like what the character of Lady Snowblood's vibe is like in the first movie. Mm-hmm. It is a shame too, because I think the Meiji period, like this sort of period of Japan, when it was rapidly trying to modernize and they had just defeated like a European power in the Russo-Japanese war, like the first sort of Asian superpower to do that, or the first European superpower to ever be defeated by like somebody who wasn't another European is, is kind of like a really interesting period in time. And it's a time of like rapid sort of growth through Japan. And, and I, I think that they don't well, and like a full political restructuring, this. which is what this yeah. is kind of getting into is like yeah. constitutional like representation and like yeah. a Western, a, a very much a Westernized restructuring also, which I think is a crucial point because right. I do feel as if um, the figures that are seeking the additional power here are very much, uh, they feel like a bit of a Western stand-in. Yeah, and when you when you like, if you look at the history of Japan, like they didn't have any sort of Western influence, like until Commodore Perry went in in the mid nineteenth century. So they missed the French Revolution. They missed Karl Marx. They missed all these other uh, like developments of thought, but also sort of technological advancements as well. Well, hold and- on, I, I don't want to be too uh, semantic here. <laughs> They didn't necessarily miss those. They just didn't have that version of well, that they, thought. I, I don't want to. I don't want to say they missed it, but they got it. They got what I'm trying to say is that they got they got it all at once. I just want to be careful with uh, that, but I get what you mean. Yeah, they didn't. Well, they they didn't get it when it happened, but they you know they got it later. But um, they what you get was when you sort of open that up and you and you you're no longer an insular nation. You get that sort of influx of everything, and I I. I think they do like an interesting job sort of reconciling with like all like the different sort of not reconciling, but sort of portraying all like the different political thoughts and how sort of um, wild politically Japan was at the time and all the different ideas that were being tossed around and people being 
radicalized pretty quickly. Finally, but, I can read a book that asks, yeah. is revolution collectivism? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I think it, it's cool how they do that, but I, I, I wish there was more done to kind of flesh out the, the period or give it more more color. Yeah, not literal color because that's shit's popping. But no. um, yeah, and also just uh, I feel like it's very quick with establishing like the ghetto area or the slum area, and I almost wish there was more to that because it almost falls into its same trap as framing it like, oh, all the uh, rich normies think that we're just savage animals and that's unfair, uh, but we do just like live our own way, and the only time they ever set it up is like, uh. A, a stranger is there and they fucking mob that dude and uh like kick the shit out of him and to be fair they they were ultimately right because he was like a secret policeman up to some shit but like i just thought that like the dissonance of those two thoughts was kind of weird uh i feel like it should have leaned maybe a little bit more into like a maybe less uh stark's not the word i want at all um but like I don't know. I would like to see a little bit more going on there just because it feels a bit one note generally. Uh, but I do think uh, any of those complaints, the movie more than makes up for it, which is like when it finally gets into some good old fashioned, we're going to go, go fight with some fucking swords, dude. <laughs> it's it's a good time. It, it must be said. I, I just wish there was a bit more of that. <laughs> it, <laughs> also, yeah, it, why it does is. she drink water with blood in it? Don't do that. Like at the beginning of the movie, she fucking kills a dude, throws him in some in a pond and then drinks out of that pond it's like there's blood in there she's a demon my dude don't do that demons gotta hydrate like fuck what are you doing but but how cool does the the blood look in the water oh it's bright it's like so bright red and it's just billowing and like it 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 appears out of nowhere like it just jumps to the surface it's so cool yeah what did she think her name was lady water blood or something (laughs) (laughs) this is a romero ass blood for sure like is yeah. it like that in the first one too? Yeah. yeah. Is that that's just like seventies blood? Oh, okay. Yeah. Blood just like shooting out of wounds like a fucking geyser. Like... Well, they, they they colored blood like that so you could kind of distribute it more broadly, right? Because yeah. different, yeah. But and also, yeah, and that cool was a lot of the shit. Kill Bill vibes. Yeah, like I've never like seen Kill so Bill. Scenes... How hard does Kill Bill rip Lady Snowblood off? Um, it takes the music. It, it, it takes the music. The music? Yeah, it's it's. I mean, also a revenge movie following like is it a following a woman? That um, point, if it's the same plot and it took the music, is that not just a remake? No, well, I mean, it uses no. one of the same songs. Okay, like it's not like it uses the same score. Uh, but I mean, like visually speaking and stuff. Uh, like some of the stuff, like a sword cuts somebody and yeah, it's like the blood's just fucking like spraying out <laughs> like, like hydraulics. But Kurosawa did that too. And so many sure. other sort of Japanese directors. Yeah. We're not saying period. it's like unique only to this, but I just, cause I've, I've never seen kill bill. So I just didn't know what the deal. Yeah. Was I know that. Tarantino like screened lady Snowblood regularly on the set of kill bill. Like, like he was like really into it. Yeah, it is. It is pretty clear that it's like a heavy influence. It's, I'd say if you haven't seen kill bill, you should definitely watch it. Did he get, uh, his foot fetish from this movie. Oh, gosh. I don't know. I mean, so sick, dude. It came out when he was a kid. Who's so sick, dude. So cool to humanize the anarchist by watching him. By making him a big toes. feet guy. Yeah, <laughs> big feet guy. This guy. <laughs> he loves cryptids because you know the, the, he's a big feet guy. Real pointy nipples in this one too. I can. I can. Those I can, were the style at the time. <laughs> 
I, I, I think I can tell <laughs> that that this director did some some porn type movies because it was a very sexy scene. I'm not gonna. I, there's no bones there's, about it. There's there might have been a couple. Of, we don't know. If you're into of, feet, yeah. <laughs> for fuck's sake. <laughs> so there's a lot of torture in this movie too. Like I was surprised with how much there was. And like upsetting torture. Like yeah. That's not to say that all torture isn't upsetting, but movies don't always really nail it in terms of like presenting it in a way that actually is kind of moving. But like, it's pretty brutal. Like yeah. I was surprised at, at sort of how like I knew I was in for a violent ride, right? Yeah, but I was, tonally, I was some of the violence is like we were saying, just a lot less fun because mm-hmm. of that. And I guess maybe that's a, a intentional because obviously it's it's making its point about the way like the political establishment is leveraging violence and that that's not fun. But uh, I was hoping for more violence. I could just sort of like you know applaud at like a big child. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really where I'm coming down on this too, and I think that. This is really a movie to be appreciated, and I'm sure it's appreciated a whole lot by people who understand like more of the culture at the time and and the the uh, political history and everything. But like when I was watching this, I kind of just felt like a dude bro, where I was just like, I want to see like some Michael Bay violence and and wicked stuff happening. And and yeah, some I appreciate it. Get sucked on. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, yeah, I appreciated the colors and the music and stuff, but but yeah, it was like it was the the violent stuff that really got me going. And so uh, um, maybe I just will go watch Kill Bill after this. Liam's just horny for violence, and that's what he wanted, <laughs> and it's not what he got. It's not just me. No. No, you wanted the violence too, right? Yeah, but uh yeah, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm not horny. Well, maybe I am. Yeah, but I'm not into it for like that reason. <laughs> I saved that for a uh, Roman Eros whatever the fuck that movie was called. Shit. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> um yeah, also, uh, that document, that secret government document, is the most uh, robustly produced document ever made because it survives, uh, like, being buried in the ground and, like, a fire and being chucked in some water. Seriously, dude. Shit. Also, what the fuck's with that dude's shotgun that has just, like, infinite ammo? Uh, inf- <laughs> and then, yeah, the other no, guy has, like, six shots. That's at the like end that because yeah. that shit's fucking awesome. <laughs> so true. Um. That whole closing fight scene, by the way, at that like memorial temple for the war dead, sick as hell. That Very was great. Cool. And like that shot where like um he's just at the top of the stairs, like ready to fucking go, was great. I was like, oh shit, like it's going the fuck down, dude. And I also felt like a dude, bro, in that in that instance. <laughs> Thank you. I Thank mean, you. I, we are maybe like in terms of like the cultural knowledge you'd want to have to be like give an honest like critics view of this we are not the dudes for that and i think people know that oh definitely but, not. Um, yeah. uh you know just taking it for what it is i did like it i liked watching it i, I don't think i was ever bored or anything it, it does maybe you know dragged here or there um but i i just more than anything i was slightly caught off guard by what it's like uh focuses and ambitions were but i also think yeah. um uh the messaging like i get and i'm I'm on i'm on board for these these authoritarian dudes seem like pricks maybe they should not uh 
yeah. have all this power. I mean, they even have. in that sense too. I mean, I guess it is an exploitation film and it's violent stuff. So like all that stuff is like a little one dimensional too. But I mean, I yeah. guess you're not going mm-hmm. for that. Like that's that's one thing that I loved about the first one too is that I thought like there was a lot of thematic depth there um, in terms of maybe I was just reading it this way, but like I love the idea of her being born with this like basically violent destiny that she has no control over and just like relating that to themes of uh like intergenerational trauma and like ex- like inheriting like inheriting your parents baggage because like you can't not have that happen to you that's just and, the way life is and also because your culture i guess like l- almost like gives like a I guess like a weight to that, like it's like you're a, you're a demon yeah. and you're you're raised in this. I don't know if I don't know if that's any. I don't know if there's any real cultural. Well, what, underpinnings what I can there, say but, is I don't know. But, I can't remember because I I uh, studied religion in university a bit, uh, so I'm gonna try to pull something from there. But I'm gonna Father acknowledge Price. Father Price. That's me. Um, but I'm gonna set this up by saying that I don't know. Uh, I can't remember to what extent this translates into Buddhism as well. There is stuff in the first movie that references Buddhism directly. Um, and I don't know to what extent that's relevant here, so that's where my gap is. But I know in Confucianism, filial piety is absolutely crucial. Like a, a reverence and respect for your parents mm-hmm. and your ancestors is like core tenant. Like abs- it is a reflection of your like virtue as a person that you are active within that. And there may be enough sort of you know cultural crossover in that where that remains true here obviously japan is yeah, a different really country with a different culture and different religions than that so i don't want to i don't want to sit here and sound like i'm saying oh i read about asia once and all the asians <laughs> do this like that's not what i'm trying to say but uh that could be part of why in a broader sense that sort of intergenerational connection takes on greater weight than like it would if somebody made that movie here right where it's not don't take on the baggage of our parents but it's culturally constructed in a very different way that's really interesting Corey. and 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 maybe uh that's um that can be followed through to kill bill because in kill bill Corey, the the main character is seeking out revenge because her husband has been murdered on her wedding day it it doesn't have to do with her parents and so okay so i've googled uh, Buddhism filial piety really quick and I'm being told that quote is a very important moral teaching in early Buddhism so maybe I'm on to something <laughs> anyway sorry Liam well yeah may- maybe that's like uh, then a reflection of what is important to uh, people in North America that like it's your it's your partner more than your parents and so that's why the the uh, impetus for revenge the reason for it was changed in kill bill because audiences could relate to that more in america yeah i can really relate to that kind of stuff too because like just like inheriting all that shit like i inherited my dad's micro penis and i have to live with that every day (laughs) when's the when is the baby cameron revenge pick about (laughs) the revenge who do you you seek revenge on for that (laughs) <laughs> i guess you gotta, i guess you have to go after your own dad that would be an epic movie yeah fuck dude because they're just contest. both fighting with your micro dicks out micro penis the revenge <laughs> or maybe you team up to like go after go after like your grandfather because it skips it skips every other generation or something <laughs> and so you're upset at him for having a much lart anyway that's a story for another time (laughs) 
Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if Tarantino is so reverent about that movie, that initial movie, and probably the second one too, uh, that there was an awareness of how to tweak it if he thought it might make audiences more receptive to it. So maybe that's where that that shift came from. Maybe uh, the bride is just a big, uh, you know, like how you got a wife guy. She's just a big like husband, husband dude, <laughs> husband guy. <laughs> like, well, well K- Kill Bill. It's it's more like it's it's an interesting balance between her seeking revenge, but she also was an assassin before all that stuff happened. Oh, okay. So it's like she loves killing to begin with, and I guess it's like an exploration of like. Like it's it's like she's kind of like enjoying taking the revenge almost, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'll bet you to like Kill Bill has like a like Tarantino always does, like there's a much like bigger like myriad of influences in there too. Like it's huge like spaghetti western vibes. And uh Mamma Mia. Yeah. Yeah, but get it like spaghetti. Huge Mamma Mia vibes. <laughs> uh, huge hugely inspired by uh Spicy Meatballs. The hit film Mamma Mia. Is Kill should I watch Kill Bill? Is Kill Bill good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. dude, it's fucking amazing. Yeah, you would really like it, I think, Corey. Okay, that was a resented thing because I'm not a big like, uh, you know how they have wife guys. Well, I'm not a big Tarantino guy, so like (laughs) I don't know. I've always it's like top three Tarantino for me, probably. Okay, what are the? It is a lot of fun, and it's 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 very accessible, um, especially I think if you're not into Tarantino's typical vibe, because he has a lot of talking in his other movies, but this one it's it's a whole lot of action. Well, well, number two is the Kill Bill Volume Two is all talking. That's true, but you you can stop there. Much like Lady Snowblood and Lady Snowblood Love Song Avengers, this one has a lot more talking. (laughs) I actually prefer Volume Two. Yeah, me too. It's it's better. Yeah, but uh, I'm looking out for Corey here. Corey, I li- watch, I like watch number one and see where Why you're Why do you at? think I don't like movies with talking? Well, Tarantino has a lot of talking, and I thought maybe that was your issue, the way he wrote his dialogue and stuff. Um, I don't know what my issue is. Well, I mean, I do, but not in a way that I feel like I could effectively articulate it right this second. Um, Just don't like his face. I guess not. I don't, like, uh, the first time I ever tried to watch Pulp Fiction, I was like a teenager and doing that shit that teenagers do when they're like getting into movies and i didn't even finish that fucking movie <laughs> like Damn. i was i was done with that walked um, out of it left it playing on the laptop and just, <laughs> walked out. just walked out of my room did something else until it was over um no but like and i find that his work doesn't stick with me a lot i wasn't a huge like once upon a time in hollywood guy even like i don't know oh, it's just not, like i don't think they're bad they're not like you know like poorly crafted or anything it's just i'm just not i'm not on the dude's wavelength i don't think i feel like that surprised me because like so much of his charm is just about like embracing pop culture and stuff it's like maybe it's just too much like dude after after a while it it does after a while it does feel like he's just like hey look at this i find his style really his like his way the way that his movies like lean into stylistic choices i I guess i just find it kind of obnoxious It's no it's no surprise that he was like a video clerk before he became famous because like like a video store clerk because he's because he does feel like sometimes like when you're watching his movies it's just like a run through of like everything that he loves like sort of like a or like a the work of like Doctor Frankenstein like stealing from here and there and then reanimating a corpse right I mean it's his writing that's like really oh of course the the best stuff like I mean I'm not saying he's he's a pretty like he's he's obviously like a a good director but it's 
I yeah, get I that I'm it. in the minority generally of like Tarantino people. I get that. Yeah. Like, I know I like his movies. I'm not trying to say that I think he's like derivative or anything. Yeah, I haven't to but, me in in, in overly derivative. defense of that. Like, I haven't even given a lot of them like a fair shake. Like, obviously, a didn't even finish Pulp Fiction. Um, haven't seen what is arguably his other most popular thing in Kill Bill at all. Um, and then anything else that I've seen was from like eh to ugh. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was just sort of where I came down on it. Um, but, yeah. So I was just curious about that and, like, to what extent any of that was maybe relevant here. But, you know, I feel I also feel like there's enough fucking podcasts about Tarantino out here that people can go fucking figure it out. I don't know. We don't have to, <laughs> we don't have to give yeah. a treatise. Um, do all so his movies have feet in them? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like in in that way, I know. Like, <laughs> not in like sucking on. Like, I don't think anyone ever sucks on toes. But like, there's there's Cowardly. always just like feet around. The th- the, sh- the only shot the shot that makes me laugh so hard for once upon a time in Hollywood is when he's driving Margaret Qualley around and she's just like sticking her feet to the windshield. They're just like, <laughs> dude, actually... you're not even trying to hide it. Like, what are you doing? People actually, I think, do suck on toes in Death Proof. But, <laughs> okay yeah but that, if, if there was a movie if there was a movie for it it would be that one because that's like his like grimiest his yeah. grimiest one well okay so lady snowblood love song of vengeance why is it called that yeah it makes no sense to me it just sounds fucking it sounds cool. sick all that talk about the subtitles at the beginning we're like, <laughs> now we're realizing wait what does that even mean yeah it just sounds kind of poggers and that's it <laughs> But like no, I, I'm just now realizing that it doesn't feel like there's a central romantic relationship here that demands venging, um, and nor does any of it really successfully get venged. Um, there's no love song either. There might be. We don't know. Maybe a background character is humming one. We can't rule that out. <laughs> what? It's not like any of us saw the movie or anything. <laughs> a background character. <laughs> you guys weren't paying attention to those background <laughs> characters. <laughs> that is a actually a love song. Um, yeah, I I learned Japanese to watch this film, and uh, you know I got I did it really fast on Duolingo. It was pretty poggers, and um, yeah, it's just you know it's that easy. Okay, is that are we are we out uh, of gas on this one? Do we think? Yeah, I don't know what else there is to say. I got I got nothing. Shall we Genero? It's been did a we, while. Did, did we all like yeah. it? Like, did we like it? Like, oh, like, I think so. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, yeah I, I liked it. Pretty it. good. Um, I mean, I would definitely really recommend the first one to anybody who's into this kind of movie. And then, I mean, like, if you l- really like the first one, I'd be like, oh yeah, like, might as well do the second one too. But uh, um, yeah. yeah. I uh watch this movie if for no other reason than that shot where she shatters that mirror in the room that she's trapped in and it's a two-way mirror and there's just dudes in the other room or the that one where she sick. or the one where she leaves her sword in like the sea and then the credits roll yeah that was kind sick. Of badass absolutely sick as hell if you want like a like a visual extravaganza this is your this is your movie but um otherwise you can steer clear if you're if you're not uh if you're in it for like much more, or, for, or, if, or you, if you're an anarchist, then if you like, hate Karl Marx, really who, watch it. Granted, himself was not an anarchist. Um, yeah, you could watch it. You could find it if revolution is collectivism or not. It is um, kind of politically ambiguous, even though it's like tries to like whip up this big like political snafu. I mean, you know? it's 
I I suppose it's ambiguous in only the fact that the movie does. I think the movie. Actually, I'm going to walk back what I just said. I don't think it's ambiguous because I think the movie very much characterizes the uh, people in privileged positions of power as inherently bad. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I suppose I, I suppose what I'm saying is that like the like the framework of of like what to call it maybe didn't exist at that time or like the but like it's a story that everybody's kind of heard a million times and you see it everywhere today. Yeah, uh, we we all remember the story of the anarchist getting injected with the plague by the secret police, you know. <laughs> I definitely would not call it politically ambiguous. I just don't think it has much to say beyond like these are the good guys and these are the bad guys. Yeah, like or or like I would in, call in it what, politically ambiguous. Like like <laughs> like there's a lot of t- there's a lot of allusions to Dude, that was so good. <laughs> Holy shit. Let's go. Yeah. What the fuck? The wit on this guy. When I say like it's it's politically ambiguous, <laughs> no, I mean that epic. it's uh it's, di- <laughs> it's difficult to categorize. Mitch, like, we're laughing at Corey's joke. Stop it. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> I'm getting out of here. No, I'm sorry. God, I, took a, I took a drink say. when Cam said that I nearly spit that everywhere. <laughs> All over my my <laughs> never mind that joke. No, Mitchell, what were you saying? Yeah. I mean, I mean that it's difficult to categorize, like, it, it, like especially in the sense of like of like the so-called like anarchist character. Other than he's just like not down for the man. But if you want to talk about any of his other views or or what he's going for, it's not particularly well developed. Yeah, he just he just hates authority. I don't think yeah. that's necessarily the fault of the character though, because like they, no. they the movie is not focused on what his actual plans for a post-current government society would look like no but it, it is just kind of it is very shallow like Ken do you guys want to seize the means of production after we're done this bro i'm so down dude fucking finally right shit <laughs> um yeah if uh if we're fresh out do you guys want to uh genero because it's been a while it's been a while yeah we I'd don't know to. uh yeah do it it's been a while was that mashup um but yeah so uh because it's been a couple weeks for anybody who doesn't know or maybe hasn't heard it before um and for cam as a bit of a refresher uh the william castle film genero plagues us on a regular basis and what it is is an elaborate system uh arcane in many ways in ways we don't entirely understand that chooses (laughs) that chooses the movies that we watch sometimes not all the time i wouldn't even say a majority of the time you know we we opt to make our own destiny every once in a while as we have for the last couple of weeks but this time around you know we're gonna put our fate in somebody else's hands and um to do that liam i am gonna need a quick number on how many films are inside of the william castle film genero there are 323 items here somehow that feels like less than last time but it's been so long that i don't know if that's actually true yeah, you know, sometimes I, I look at it and I see something and I think, what the heck was I thinking? And I take that off. But okay, fair enough. So 323 is a pretty big number. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Uh, and it's grown all the time. We're never going to be free from this prison. We're trapped here forever. So here's what's going to happen, everybody. Uh, we're going to roll a number, just one. We get one shot at this. And Liam is going to give us uh, a look into some alternate realities, if you will. We're going to find out what movie was one on either side of what we did land on. Tease ahead to possible future episodes. 
and then we're going to find out what our fate is for next week. That is the movie we'll be watching and what the next episode will be. Cameron is the guest on this episode. You have the luxury of choosing if you would like to continue on this journey with us for whatever we land on, or you can bow out gracefully and we will forge on into the darkness ourselves. Yeah, we'll see what the movie is. It's a, it's a real choose-your-own-adventure pod over here. Yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, dude, we should really lean into that sometime. That would be fun. Um. Anyway, uh, what I'm going to say now is the magic words that always lead us to the genre. There's a couple of them, so bear with me while I get there. Big money, no skeletons. Three, two, one. Spin! Oh my god. Uh that was a quick spin that one. <laughs> uh yeah, it's 6. Uh oh. Have we ever oh, rolled no. a number that small? That's going to be from when Liam and I no, generated we have, this never. list. That's like that's years the dark ago. Ages. That's from years ago. <laughs> All right, so hang um, on is, a few minutes while cursed. I scroll up this list. <laughs> Dude, yeah, Cam, you are in for a treat. I do not know what the fuck we have down there. I, I might have even put this on before we started the show, and that's what we I didn't mean. Even know like what it is. we were theorizing what this show might even look like when this list started getting made. Okay, so you say it's a six? Yeah. So we need what four and seven or five and seven were. I forgot how to count. Um, <laughs> this is insane. This is truly insane. Okay, <laughs> five is annie from a few years ago i I think will smith was in it annie from 2014 with jamie fox jamie fox yes uh so we're not doing that one sorry jamie fox uh but maybe will smith is in luck let's see what else we got here sorry cameron diaz also (laughs) so number seven we just missed it and and this is a bit of a stretch anyways um but it's still on this list it was the Dora the Explorer movie <laughs> that oh, came shit. out a couple of years oh ago. Oh my god. The live action one? Right, yeah. And uh, again, it's it's not a sequel, but that's shit. sort of a... I, this does not make me feel good about what number six might be. <laughs> you want me to tell you what it is, Corey? I guess. Okay, so it says very simply here. This is this is another one of those ones we'll, we'll a have dealer's to, choice. We'll, well, we'll have to pick which movie in this franchise it is because I, I was just a bit oh, I was God. a bit am small can US I, about can I take, it. Can I take a guess? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna guess it's Final Destination. Great guess, perfect guess, Corey. Perfect in the way that like round here is a perfect song in that it's sort of wrong, but it's still perfect. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because it's not Final Destination. It is <laughs> Shout out to my boy Roderick from Diary of a Wimpy Kid. It is the Diary of a Wimpy Kid franchise. Oh uh, shit. And so what that means Fucking is we no. can either do <laughs> we can do I can't believe this. <laughs> Fuck. We can do Diary of a Wimpy Kid two. Roderick rules. <laughs> I, I read the I read the book. Oh fuck yeah, dude! What are we drinking? But just after the Roderick line, I was like, I gotta crack one open. Came over. <laughs> we're, not even, we're not even in the Lady Snowblood yet. We're already talking about Roderick. I gotta. Yeah. Roderick. Roderick rules. We can do Diary of a Wimpy Kid 3 Dog Days. How many fucking movies did they make? Um, 
we can uh oh my <laughs> fuck I, th- I think i'll probably come on for that <laughs> Um, okay, yes, so there's there's a lot to pick from here, because in 2017, they did Diary of a Wimpy Kid, The Long Haul, and what that is, it is a recasting of, of I think, all of the, the family in Diary of a Wimpy Kid, so they got a new kid because the kid aged out of it, they got a new Roderick. He grew up and stopped being well, a wimp. They, <laughs> they, they didn't shoot it like... <laughs> no, no. So they they recast it, but then I I think they just Dude, continued favorite, the story on. My favorite movie is Boyhood. Roderick rules. Yeah. So okay. So so we can pick one of the two sequels from the original era. We can pick The Long Haul from 2017. Um, okay, and that's it because there is an animated reboot uh, coming out December 3rd. So we don't have to worry about that just yet. Hold on. Show of hands. Who wants Roderick Rules? Say aye. 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 So okay, then it's that let's do Roderick Rules. <laughs> let's do Roderick Rules. Uh, so really quick before we go. Um, <laughs> Dude, I jinxed it at the beginning. I can't believe you called it. That's Yeah, that's so fucking funny. Deeply cursed. Now um, I've now I've got to watch Adoration. I've got to do a Roderick double I feature. I can't believe it's the same fucking kid. That's amazing. It's on Disney Plus. It's an hour and forty minutes. That's, uh, that's eleven really minutes lo- longer long. than Lady Snowblood too. Back in middle school after <laughs> summer vacation, Greg Hefley and his older brother Roderick must deal with their parents' misguided attempts to have them bond. I remember reading this. Sounds about right. Blog. Holy shit, we are we are back in our bullshit. I'm on the Wikipedia page and I'm enjoying <laughs> Michael O'Sullivan of the Washington Post gave it a negative review stating, in quotes, you can't fault the filmmakers for reshaping a diary into a cohesive film. You can, however, fault them for taking one of the great anti-heroes in preteen literature <laughs> and turning him into, well, an even wimpier kid. Oh my God. Okay, can, who who wrote that? Um, Michael O'Sullivan. Uh, Michael O'Sullivan. You guys, we have to see if we can get him on the oh, podcast for this. I wonder if it was Daniel McCann. What a fucking hero, Corey! This is going to be our celebrity that we made the New Year's resolution. Of, like, we have the to find him. of calling. <laughs> yeah, he's Greg a an anti-hero. A bastion of pretty of, like, taxi driver. <laughs> <laughs> Um, dude, also, so Roderick rules directed by David Bowers. Uh, he directed the, that movie where a bunch of rats get flushed down a toilet. I call that Tuesday. Oh, right, right, right. Flushed away. (laughs) I call that Tuesday. He was an animator on some cool shit though. Uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, An American Tale, We're Back, A Dinosaur Story. Fuck yeah, dude. Balto, the prince of Egypt. Man, it's looking good. And then good. he strayed away from God's light and decided to make <laughs> Roderick Rules. <laughs> this might be the best subtitle, actually. I think we did a lot Lady of foreshadowing Snow in this Blood episode. Roderick Rules. <laughs> Steve Zahn is in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, Mitch is probably already like queuing this movie up. He must be so excited. <laughs> How do you feel about Steve Zahn, Mitch? Uh, Steve Zahn's honestly, I mean, great. I don't know if I, I have like any real me, like but... formed opinion. <laughs> um, 
who can who can forget Steve Zahn's famous role of bad ape in War for the Planet of the Apes? Oh my gosh, that is so true. Do you Actually, remember how ma- how much people were lauding Bad Ape and was like he's the greatest anti-hero of preteen <laughs> cinema? Oh my god, he was Bad huge Ape when was that the movie front runner up. for the best uh, oh, the best Ape Sahara. Oscar, hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously everybody <laughs> loves the movie Sahara. I'm not even joking. I I've, I've watched TV the movie like Sahara probably times, fifteen like, times. Like Twenty twelve. <laughs> uh. When I was a kid, I watched Sahara a lot. <laughs> like, uh, I've never even heard of this movie. Matthew McConaughey, though. I like that. I'm just going to say you should watch it, but I'm not going to tell you anything about it. I'm One of the biggest box it. office failures of oh, all yeah, time. Oh, I'm is it actually? I didn't even know that. We just had swap, it on but I remember like my family used to do like like neighborhood movie nights where like we would project a movie on the side of our house and like everyone in the neighborhood would like come over and one time it was sahara yeah. and sahara was a hit it's on netflix liam you, you, you wow you're wasting time not watching i it. am it's it it's always so amazing to me when i find a movie that like i should have heard about like just not not even for any particular reason but like i go on this wikipedia oh. page i see Wait. that poster and i'm like how do i not know this movie it liam looks like let it me ask huge. you a question yeah did you like the movie The Crazies? Like the remake? Haven't seen it, Corey. Oh, because it's the same director as Sahara. I was, also, I was gonna use that to uh, lure you in. Also, yeah, it's, sure. it's, it's worth mentioning that Sahara is based off of a Clive Cussler novel. Clive Cussler um, sounds like a wash uh swashbuckler. Corey, you know Clive Cussler. We've talked we've joked about Clive Cussler. He's that uh, old guy. Clive Cussler who, who writes books about like sunken ships and yeah, the main yeah. character's name is like Dirk Pitt. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Clive, anyway, Clive his website Cussler. is Clive Dash Cussler Dash Books dot com. Clive Cussler. He's got a new book. <laughs> He's got a new book out in two days. Oh man! Oh man! It's just for the cast of coincidence. It's called. Yeah, this is fucked up, man. It's called. Cli- it's by Clive Cussler. As if we were talking about Roderick Rules. Oh. I'm like, <laughs> Cam, you're a good luck charm. Clive Cussler and Jack DeBrule wrote the Titanic secret and Isaac Bell adventure. So Dirk Pitt is dead. Dude's fucking washed. But, uh, we've got. Uh, actually, that's a lie. There was a Dirk Pitt adventure in 2019 called Celtic Empire, a Dirk Pitt novel. Dirk so, Pitt. Dirk Pitt sounds like this. <laughs> I want to send my brain into a Dirk Pitt, dude. Fuck. <laughs> hey, somebody get me Dirk Pitt. He has a book called <laughs> uh, Piranha. I wonder if it's related to the film. No, it's about he a volcano. Was, I don't know if you guys ever watched like the, <laughs> sea Hunt, the the Sea Hunters growing up. Like it was on like National Geographic or Discovery. I'm not sure. Oh yeah, I don't know if you ever watched it, but like Clive Cussler always came on the Sea Hunters and like made jokes about Canadians and was like, "I'm the sea. like there's I don't know this is <laughs> I'm the, the sea man." Uh, he's like, "I'm the Sea Hunter," and he's always in like a he's always in like a like a a wood paneled room that with like <laughs> with like boys and like model ships over fireplaces and I'm going to tell you the story of how the Mary Celeste was a great mystery ship and the, and the greatest naval mystery of all time and then was involved in a scandalous insurance scandal like he just I don't know he's a great guy yeah. 
Okay, so we are resigned to our fate. Roderick is uh, coming up, and we're going to find out if he rules. Um, <laughs> that's all we have to do Spoiler next Spoiler alert, week. he does. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what Michael O'Sullivan told me. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, Cam, sounds like you might be back. No obligation, of course, but if you want to find out if Roderick rules. Yeah, I mean, if it's not for uh, if it's not for the Drick, I'll be back sometime. And um, yeah, before we let you go, is there anything you'd like to plug or shout out? I know you've got a little bit of tunes going. Yeah, Corey mentioned um, the band earlier, Go Long, in Ottawa. We've um, got some music out there on all your streaming services and got some shows coming up. Nothing announced officially yet, but there is one coming up in at least December, but there'll probably be something sooner than that. So uh, keep your eyes peeled. Nice, dude. And that'll be, I'll put links in the description. So if people want to listen straight from here. Dude, you're, you're actually, such a sweetheart. Yo, oh Cam, God. better question. Is there a song that I should use as the outro? Uh, Yeah. Just What's use a good the, pick? Uh, just use the, uh, the, the self-titled one okay so in mere moments you will be listening to go long and then you'll have no choice but to become a fan and see all the shows so there's that solved fantastic (sighs) thank you cam for coming by having um a very uh tonally diverse conversation with us yeah that was kind of crazy it was awesome it was really fun and uh yeah we'll have to get you back um but first there's a ritual that you you've never experienced i don't think at least not directly so before you go Mitch, do you have anything you want to plug? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, he just gets up and leaves every time. We don't know why. We don't know what it is about the question that makes him just abandon ship. Fuck. But he's gone. Like, you know, that's it. Guess it's because he has nothing going on. <laughs> he's, no, he's truly, it's a sad state of affairs for real. <laughs> um, Liam, do you have anything you want to plug? Yeah, you guys can find my film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, on Twitter and Letterboxd, where I will be giving Lady Snowblood Love Song of Revenge and it's a uh, star rating. I won't do it here because <laughs> apparently that's lame. But, apparently uh, that's illegal. You can find it there. My username is Graham the Mallow. And uh, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mr. Corey Price. And you can listen to my other show, MK PodQuest, with our friend Neil, where we're finally wrapping up the terrible Mortal Kombat cartoon that we've been watching soon. And we will be free from that particular prison, which I cannot fucking wait for. (laughs) With that all out of the way, thank you all once again for listening to this episode of They Made Another One. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, which is all one word, and on Letterboxd at T-M-A-O. You can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, and everything else as They Made Another One. I thought of a funny question and it's making me laugh. Uh, you can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and if you think Roderick rules. Our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jay Dickinson. Is that what you're laughing at? (laughs) Yeah. You already used that joke. (laughs) How good can it be? But not in the outro. (laughs) Our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jay Dickinson. You can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. Uh, We're going to have a soundboard back up soon, so watch for that. We do have some voice clips that you may have heard in older episodes that I'm hoping to have make a return. And with that out of the way, Cam's going to play us off. Greg Hefley next week. Who could be more excited? Thank you all once again, and we'll catch you here next time for more. They made another one.